So with that in mind, that's kind of the overview. You know, we're, we're, we're flying through with this series, kind of getting big ideas. So we're, we're skipping a couple chapters in Exodus, but we're getting to this thing. See, one of the most famous scriptures in the Bible is in Exodus 3. So if you would, uh, if you don't have a Bible, if you do, I invite you to follow along. If you don't, the text is actually printed on your bulletin in one of the handouts on the back. Uh, so if you can follow along with me, I'm going to read Exodus 3, verses 1 through 15, and then we'll look at those together. It says this, Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came before it, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why this bush does not burn. When the Lord saw that he turned aside, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. And then he said, Do not come near. Take off your stand, the sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their suffering. I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up to that land, to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel, The Lord, the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Let's pray, and then we're going to look at the passage together. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the way that you have revealed yourself to us. We thank you for this passage in which you reveal your name to us, the way that we can know you. I pray this morning that we would see clearly what you're teaching us in the way that you revealed to Moses and what you're revealing to us today in your word, that we see clearly uh, your majesty and your beauty, but also your nearness and your love and your mercy. We thank you for those things and pray that you would uh, see it afresh this morning. pray that your spirit would come. We confess this morning that without that, we're lost. We're hopelessly lost. We need you to move in this place to open our eyes to see your word and to apply it to our hearts. We thank you for all you've done for us and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we begin this morning, as I often do, I like to ask just a real simple, straightforward question as we, as we begin to look at the text and let the text answer it. And what I want to ask this morning is simply, what do we learn about God in this passage? One of these most famous passages in all the Bible is he reveals his name 
And what you get when God says that is he answers that prayer. Right? He asks, what's your name? And he says, I am that I am. I want you to think about what God is teaching us, what he's teaching Moses, what he's telling us by choosing to reveal himself in that way to us. And there's so much we can say. We could spend a long time just on the names of God and who he is and his attributes. But there's one thing I just want us to see this morning in relation to this passage. See, when God reveals himself to Moses, he says, I am that I am. I am present tense. And I want you to think about what that means. Because what God is saying is there is no time ever, there was no time ever will be where I am not. God is present tense. He's always been present tense. You can never speak of God in past tense because there was never a time when he wasn't. And so God's saying, even by his name, he's showing us his eternality. God is eternal. He's always been and he always will be. I am. Or as Revelation would say, uh, uh, I'm the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega. I've always been. And so we see that in Scripture and we see it right here as God reveals his name. There is no past. God has always been. So when we hit on that, I'm not going to spend a long time on it because we hit on it in our very first week as we talked about it. God is the creator. In the beginning was God. There was nothing except God. He was there. Because he's always been, he is the I am, always present tense. And we see that when we get that picture here. But it's not only that, I want you to think about the way God chooses to reveal himself. Moses, look at verses uh, 1 and 2. So Moses is walking along and we get to verse 2 and it says, The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire in the midst of a bush. And he looked and behold, the bush was burning yet it was not consumed. And we see this picture all throughout scripture of God revealing himself as a fire. Right? We'll see it later on as we move through. When God leads Israel in the desert at night, he leads them by fire. It's for the fire, the tongue of fire that rests over the temple as he fills it with his glory. And it's a visible sign that he's there. We see it in Pentecost. When they get the Holy Spirit and it comes and the fire rests over their head and it's showing that God is present and he's there. So it's a theme that's all throughout scripture of God is fire. We talked about it last week. I mentioned it in our call to worship. And in Hebrews, it says, our God is a consuming fire. And I want you to think about what God's even showing us by showing up as fire. Choosing to reveal himself to Moses in this way. And the picture we get, I want you to think about this for just a second. The very elemental building blocks. You have water and uh, dirt or soil. And you have fire. When you think about water, you could take water and you could put your hands in water and you could divert it. Or you could go to the dirt and you could pick it up in your hands and you can make things out of it and you can mold it. But when you come to fire, you place your hands in the fire. You are changed and that's the fire. See, when God reveals himself as the fire, when we talked about him, it's the consuming fire. See, God is the hardest, most perfect, beautiful, wonderful thing there is. And we don't bend his will. He bends ours. When we come into contact with fire, we are changed, not the other way around. And so God chooses to, to reveal himself in that way, and he's even teaching us about who he is through, through showing the fire. He's eternal, I'm, I am the I am. And then you see the fire, the heat, the fire that changes us and not the other way around. So we see that. We see that eternality in verse 6 when he goes to Moses. And here it's been over 400 years since they've come down to Egypt, but yet he harkens back and he says, I am still the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. So much I am and it's still moving. And so what happens is we begin to think about this, and this is kind of where this paradox comes in, and we'll start to 
same thing in the New Testament. It's better that I go away because I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit and my spirit is going to dwell within you and lo, I will be with you always. I'm not going to just leave you on your own. I'm going to come work through you. I'm going to live inside of you because of what I purchased in my death. Right? As Ephesians says, he brought us near because of his blood and his sacrifice so he can use us. See, the question is, and it's, it's always the answer to these questions, how does this go together? How does the person of God come near? How does the person of God use sinful man? And the answer is always, always, always the cross of Jesus. Always. You may get tired of me saying that, but I hope you don't. I hope you never do. But we say that each week and we come back to how it points to Christ because that is the answer. Every time. And as we end today, I just simply ask, I pray that we never, never grow tired of proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. That it was by his blood that he could do all that. That he could come near to us and that he loves us enough to do that. To come and spill his blood to draw us near. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for the scripture. We thank you even 1,500 years before you come to this earth that you were, that you were eternal, that you were interceding, that you were involved, that you care, that you bring us near through your blood and through your sacrifice, and that you don't just leave us here. You didn't come to be an example to show us uh, how we earn our way, but you came to do it for us. And then you come and you give us your spirit to move and work through us. We thank you. We thank you for that. I pray this morning that uh, as we contemplate that, that we would just see more clearly, we would see more clearly uh, your plan. We'd see more clearly the beauty of the plan was always for you to come and be for us, even right there in Exodus 3. It was all pointing out to you and what you were doing. We thank you that you are eternal and that you love us, that you love us because you love us and it's not dependent on us and we can never, ever thank you enough. We pray all this.